Hey, Manager After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join the thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day marriage prayer challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com. Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking a few seconds from listening to our dear friends, Jen and Aaron Smith. We love what they're sharing here at the Marriage After God podcast. I'm Angie Tolpin from the Courageous Parenting Podcast, where along with my husband, Isaac, we weekly tackle relevant topics facing parents today from a biblical perspective and digging into the Word of God. Our mission is to empower and equip Christian parents to raise confident Christian kids in these unprecedented times. Enjoy listening to the rest of the Marriage After God podcast, and don't forget to check out the Courageous Parenting Podcast when you're done. Hey, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith, your hosts of the Marriage After God podcast. The word love has been used so often and for such a variety of things, commonly applied to everything from pets to food, from clothing to cars, and of course, in significant relationships. If we love all of our things, then what does it mean when we do tell our spouse, I love you? How are those around us, our spouse, our children, our friends, and our family to know the difference between our love for things and our love for them? How can one word have so many different levels of meaning? Has it been diluted through the way we use it? Has it ceased to hold its power and purpose? And how can we hope to revive the meaning and depth of this word when it comes to those to whom it is to mean the most? Today's episode is brought to you by our faithful patron team who have chosen to help financially support this show monthly. Here's a shout out to some of our most recent patrons. Sarah H., Salinthia S., Lillian O., Dana S., Sean S., and Anna P. Thank you guys so much for choosing to partner with us and in blessing tens of thousands of couples with free daily prayer emails and this weekly podcast. We really appreciate you. If you have been blessed by the free Marriage After God content, we'd love to invite you to join our patron team. All you have to do is visit marriageaftergod.com forward slash patron, P-A-T-R-O-N. Okay. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, Hold on. I got to just say, you guys should know I put my hair in a ponytail and it's way up super high. And every time I move my head, it's tickling your cheeks or something. And my ears, yeah. your ears. But does it look funny? I was, I didn't notice until you said something, but. (laughs) 
I'm kind of glad that nobody can see me, but there's also this tension of like, I wish we were, we had a live audience so I could ask them like, Hey, how are you liking the podcast? You do not wish we had a live audience. And then they're like, Woo! that is not true. Okay, Everyone listening, true. do not believe Jennifer. <laughs> she would not farewell with a live audience. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I want to, I, I like the feedback. Yeah, I like it'd to be hear awesome if we them. can get, I, I've heard other podcasts. I don't know how they do this, but they get like live phone calls. I don't know how they even do it. Well, they probably use they, like you know, they gotta have something. Live. We're not doing that, but maybe in the future. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. so last week we talked about how I was starting jujitsu. Oh yeah. Okay. Guess what? But what did I you did do? <laughs> yeah, you did jujitsu with me. It was awesome. Uh, they they offer a fundamentals class, which is different than the class that you were going to and i was really nervous no it's a class that i feel like i need more than the other classes because <laughs> it's the thing that just teaches they teach technique so all the techniques they'll show you a move and then you and your partner have to do it over and over and over it's still a really good workout because you're you're doing these things on your back you're doing you're doing perma crunches the whole night because <laughs> you have to like hold your head up and and it was fast paced for me but it was probably a lot slower paced for you compared to the other class just because it is because we weren't doing any yeah. like live rolling or anything like that so I, I liked that. Actually. I liked it because I like learning new things and I liked the physicalness of, is that a word? Physicalness? Physicalness. Um, cause we used it as a date time. And so. Yeah. We being, went on a date. It was a, our date night. Yeah. Being, but being able to do like a physical activity with you together. Like I liked it. It was cool. It, it's probably one of the first time we've done something like, I mean, it's gotta be that we've done like something that. like that yeah. together. Next up on the date bucket list would be like ballroom dancing. I think that's physical. <laughs> no, Aaron, if I can do jujitsu, you can ballroom dance with me. That, no, jujitsu is so much different. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> don't put me on the spot like that. Okay, sorry. Ballroom dancing. All right. We'll see. You probably will. There's a bunch of wives out there poking their husbands <laughs> like ballroom dancing. Oh and there's goodness. husbands out there. Did you, so did you like it? The jujitsu? I did. Yeah. I, we, you're even hoping that the, these, uh, this gym opens up more more fundamentals classes so that you can do it more often. Huh? Yeah, that would be awesome. I had a lot of fun. I, I need to do the fundamentals class more. I learned a lot actually. And then what's really cool now is we could practice stuff here. Yeah, and I, have to, I know what I'm doing, and you know kind, what you're doing. Kind and of. I, and then you teach me because you're actually really good at it. You have a natural I, talent at it. I will say this: when it comes to our kids, because they've been doing it longer than both of us, they've been doing it for a year. I have more compassion or empathy or something for them. They walk out sweaty and hot and, and drained. tired and drained. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, I, I don't know why I didn't realize how much it actually takes out of you. And then the other side of it is, um, I like to learn alongside my kids, whether it be music or, um, you know, what we're learning in school, but for jujitsu, I feel like I can come home and like teach them a move or, or let them practice together. And I can tell if they're on well, the right track. And then they also can teach us stuff, which we've yeah. done too. That's kind of fun. Get on the floor and be like, show me how to do that sweep you were doing. Yeah. We promise not to talk about jujitsu all the time, but it has been coming up a lot in conversation lately. Just like, yeah. It's, we've been having a lot of fun with it. So yeah. maybe there's other people out there that are like going to start it now. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, so uh, just one other thing we wanted to bring up before we move into this week's topic. Um, we, a couple weeks ago, we went to lunch with our kids and usually when we're sitting at the table waiting for the food to come or to order we'll do stuff like playing a game we'll do like i spy, I spy or, or I, I don't spy. i don't spy <laughs> which is a game we came up with um but this time you asked them a question it was and it was out of nowhere i was, was kind of cool. curious like the different levels of knowledge and experience and what you know what they knew to be of this topic 
obviously it's on marriage because it's a marriage podcast. That's well, why you, we're telling and you. And you asked our kids, they're all just sitting there like coloring on their little coloring pages and doing I Spy. And you're like, hey, kids, uh, why did God make marriage? <laughs> like, what did he make it for? And they all like stopped and looked at <laughs> Looked at you. It was really, you had all their attention really quick, actually. All have blurted out really fast. It's to be with my best friend all the time, which I'm like, she's definitely one of our kids because we talk about that. That's how I feel. I know you feel like that. We probably talk about that. Which I thought was a really good answer. It's like, yeah, you get to be with someone all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully it's your best friend. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea, right? Yep. Uh, Wyatt, our six year old, said, I think it was to make the world bigger. And Aaron, you look over at him. You, you said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, because people can have, people get married and have lots of babies. <laughs> What's funny is when he said it, my first thought was that. And I was like, maybe that's not what he's meaning though. So that's why I said, what do you mean? And he's, and he thought, he said exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, that is More actually people. one of the reasons for <laughs> marriage is, is for babies. <laughs> And then Elliot, uh, I mean, he's, he's our oldest. He pays attention. Yeah. And he pays attention. He's also, he's the really good, like, um, he's like, I'm going to have the right answer, but, but he means it too. He said, it's an example of Christ in the church, yeah. like of God in the church. And I was like, short, sweet, simple. Like you're right. <laughs> and what's awesome is all of these questions were aspects of why God created marriage. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really cool. Okay. Last, last, last thing. Um, I made a new recipe for dinner tonight. Was it good? Did you like it? It was really good. Okay. It was really simple beef stew. And so this is just every, you're, you listening, your <laughs> PSA to make homemade bone broth. Um, I did not grow up learning how to cook. And so I've been learning as I go and some things feel really intimidating to me and making homemade broth has been one of those things where I put it off for a long time. And then once actually Aaron, you I used made to do it, it a lot. Chicken you, broth. I never made you, beef broth. Yeah. But you kind of instigated this curiosity in me to like make more stuff homemade. And so. Well, we both discussed this year. I mean, we don't do a ton of processed things, but even cutting it down more. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, let's just stop getting some box things and some yeah. canned things. And uh, which has put us on this this trajectory of like making more stuff from yeah. home, from and scratch. I, I've made from scratch bone broth in the past, but not very consistently. So I'm trying to work on that. Anyways. It was really good. If it you're anything like, like me, quality beef stew. If you if you are like me, you need the encouragement. So here's my encouragement to you: look up a simple recipe and just try. It was awesome. Actually, that recipe we used um, stew meat, mm-hmm. but I think it would have been that would have been a really good sauce to put like braised short ribs. Or yeah. Something. Oh, it was awesome. Well, we're in February. And That's crazy. Yeah, this is. Uh, going really fast, really actually. Fast. I wonder if it's because we're podcasting maybe, every week. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Feels fast to us, not but to everyone. But <laughs> often this is looked at as like the love month. This is like the the month where, I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up mm-hmm. and people start thinking that way. I mean. You're already planning for it? <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> I, uh, I don't plan that far ahead <laughs> of anything. <laughs> um, uh, but. I mean, especially being in the, in, in marketing and things like that, this is also the season when people start marketing for love and all that stuff. So we, it's the love month. Like everyone so, knows So it. we have to talk about you're it. You're going to start seeing, you're, you're already probably seeing it flowers at, at, uh, you know, the store and all the candies and cards and everything. So, oh, I just thought about this. We have friends that are doing this awesome pop-up shop at a coffee shop locally and all of their kids are making like Valentine's day cards. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so cute. And I just thought that was an awesome idea, but anyways, love month. (laughs) So what's the topic since this is love month, what are we focusing on this month? Love. 
love. In specific, uh, giving more than you take. Yeah. This which episode, I'm going to explain yeah. a little bit more about this title of this episode later. But um, when we first started out the episode, we came out, Aaron came out asking a good question. Is the word love and how we use it diluted? Mm-hmm. Or has it lost has its it, meaning? His, its impact. Um, because we do use it to cover quite a lot of um, feelings we have towards people and things. And, um, you know, the first thing I thought about was, are there other words that we should be using to define what we like and love? Like, like, is it a laziness thing to use only the word love mm-hmm. or have we just, you know, simplified our communication like shorthand? Cause uh, there are other words like, like, I prefer, think genuinely there affection. other languages are more, um, apt at making these words make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in, in Greek, there's multiple words for the word love. But they have specific definitions. And they have specific definitions. And then in Hebrew, there's multiple words for love and they're not all used synonymously. So mm-hmm. like you would use this word for that, this word for this. So it, the English language is kind of lazy. Like we just kind of combine all these things into one thing. So like, oh, I love my car. Oh, I love that dress. Oh, that I love this dish. Like, okay, but, we love everything. But <laughs> in looking up the definition for the word love, it, it does cover quite mm-hmm. a bit because it it talks about um, having intense feelings of deep affection and also great interest or pleasure. So it- Yeah, but I, th- I, I do think that definition is, is this in this newer sense of how it's now used rather than breaking it out. And like you said, we should, maybe we do, there are other words we can using, but uh, I wanted to point out one way that all of us in essence kind of define love. Uh, and I just wanted to, I'm going to read something. Um, in 2005, a Harvard professor and her team analyzed 2,500 brain scans of college students who viewed pictures of someone special to them and compared them to scans to ones taken when the students looked at pictures of acquaintances. So you have this, um, there's this uh, study being done and what do their brains look like when they look at someone they just barely know and someone that they're in love with. And the photos of people that, um, of people that were romantically, they romantically loved caused the participants' brains to become active in regions rich with dopamine, uh, the so-called feel-good um, neurotransmitter. Two of the brain regions that showed activity um, in this MRI scans were the uh, caudat, I don't know how to say it, nucleus, and the region associated with reward detection and ex- expectation and the integration of sensory experiences and social behavior. And so, um, and then the next part of, that I was reading, and it says, uh, when we're falling in love, chemicals associated with the reward circuit flood our brain, reducing a variety of physical and emotional responses, racing hearts, sweaty palms, flushed cheeks, feelings of passion, anxiety. And I think that this, when I'm, when I'm reading this study of biology, how our brains function when we see our, someone our we're in love with. physiological response to. Yeah. Or as the Bible put it, our flesh, because mm-hmm. that's what it, that's what this is. Yeah. That's usually how we define love. Like, oh, how I feel. I, I, I'm in love. I love you because of the feelings that I've, I receive when I'm with you. Yeah. Or, but the problem with this definition, and I know everyone's thinking like, yeah, but that's not the only thing. But this is often how we define it, how we feel. What, and it's really what it's just breaking it down to these. Um, and in a part of the study, it calls it the primitive parts of our brain. Like these very simplistic part of our brain. It's like, here's some chemicals, makes your body feel good. Your body responds in this way. Is what happens when those chemicals subside or those feelings in the body or the flesh become harder to come by, which is normal. That's actually, that's why we talk about like, there's the honeymoon phase and then you 
quickly get out of that. And then now you have to actually work toward. Right. So, so someone well into marriage, if they were to go through this study and you show them a picture of their spouse, would those same areas hmm. of the brain light up with dopamine? Yeah. And that would be super dependent on, and as everyone listening knows. What they're going what through. What they're going through. <laughs> like, uh, you know, how close they feel, um, how they've been treating each other. Mm-hmm. Are they going through hardships? Are they, are they mad at each other? So and, that, and that so same it, picture is going to either give like cortisol levels or it's going to give dopamine. Like, I don't know. So if it doesn't produce that feel good sensation, what you're saying is it doesn't mean they don't love each other. Right. And so if our, if our definition of love stops merely at how our flesh responds to stimuli, then we're missing the whole point of what God teaches us in the Bible. We don't get this definition of love in the Bible. We don't get this idea of how it makes us feel rather what we are to do because of love. So we want to highlight today that this idea of love, how we're going to define it is not going to be defined by just feelings or emotions or chemical responses in our bodies, or even just by the words themselves. Like saying, I love you. Yeah. Like, I mean, we talked about this all last month, this idea of meaning what we say and doing what we say. So we're going to get into this idea of what is love and how is it visible? I think it's important because what happens in marriage when you say, I love you, but then do something unloving Mm -hmm. or what happens when you don't feel so in love like you did when you were dating. Which and happens I think a lot. Both of these are questions that people have, yeah, you know, thought about from time to time, maybe. So then we can say probably that the most powerful definition of love is not going to be much of a noun, but more of a verb. Mm-hmm. It's something that's done. It's something that sends the true message of love to your spouse by your actions. So we, I guess, we can say that this is the solution to making sure that that word, love, is not diluted. Hmm. Right. By what we do. Yeah. So even when no words are said or no feelings are even present, because there's plenty of times that either we have the wrong or the, feelings. Yeah. Negative feelings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can prove that we love and do it regardless of the other person, even all by how we choose to treat them, to bless them and to serve them mm-hmm. in whatever situation, whatever moment we're in. Like that, that season of being, or that, that verse that says in or out of season, being mm-hmm. ready. Like, I can love you not because I feel in love, Mm -hmm. but because I have chosen to love you. And, uh, you know, this is the Marriage After God podcast, so don't think you're getting away with not hearing the gospel. The greatest (laughs) example of love we have is Christ and his love for the church. Yeah. Often we see Ephesians um, chapter 5 starting in verse 24, like how husbands and wives should love each other. But the biggest portion we miss in this is that the mystery that's being proclaimed about husband and wife is Christ in the church. So mm-hmm. Ephesians 5.25 says, husband, love your wives. Okay. But then it shows how, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's how we love. That's the example. So Christ in his love for his church, what did it, what does he do? because he didn't have the right feelings. He's like literally dying on a cross. Those, those feelings don't feel good. He, he gives himself up for her. He shows his love by what he does. And even though this is talking to husbands specifically, if a Christian woman identifies with Christ, she's going to operate like the church. Well, no, but like Christ, like, like he is our, he's my example. 
And so I look to him for how he loves and what he does. And so likewise, wouldn't you say that I also give myself up for you? Well, we're told by Christ himself, he says, he says, follow me. Mm -hmm. He says, do what I do. Paul says the same thing. Follow my example. Like, so we we're given these things in scripture of, yes. Yeah, so husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, but we are to love each other sacrificially. Right. Right. Both. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, if you think about the, the verse on what it's calling the wife to do, it's the same thing. It's another version of sacrifice, but it's, it's totally sacrificial love mm-hmm. of, of a wife submitting to her husband out of reverence yeah. for Christ, yeah, out of love for him to honor him. I know you guys have heard this a thousand times, maybe mm. more, but actions do speak louder than words. Yeah. Well, I, I would say unless we're God's word, our words are almost useless mm-hmm. without actions. Like our actions are the proof of our life. Uh, and we've seen it time and time again. We see people that say all the right things. And then eventually you find out that their life does not match the things that they say that they didn't love their wife the way they said they loved them. And that's not what we want. We, our encouragement today is, is that we refuse to let our words be the things that stand alone, but we back up our words with our, our life, with our actions towards each other, that we actually prove it out mm-hmm. and show our wife, show our husband that we do love them. Something that I've experienced in our marriage too is that those times that, you know, I'm struggling with insecurity or doubt about us or our relationship or your love for me, you know, like I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know why I struggle sometimes. And it's your actions from past experiences that, that remind me and prove to me that I can be secure. Yeah. Well, and it, and I, and I feel the same way with you that even if you did something wrong to me, when you do, or vice versa, I do it to you, I try. And and this is what's so hard is because in the moment I'm not feeling in love, I'm not Mm -hmm. feeling happy or joyful. And in my flesh, I want to escape and I want to go away and I want to lash out and I want to let my flesh kind of have its way. But the Holy Spirit reminds me like, well, you love her. But what he really reminds me of is that he loves you Mm -hmm. and that he loves me. And that slowly, it should probably do it faster, but it slowly breaks me down and makes me realize like, Oh, I need to forgive. I need to Mm -hmm. repent. I need to, I'm reminded of something outside of myself. Well, and it really shows what holds us together. (laughs) It's not us all the time. (laughs) It's Christ. (laughs) Uh, So um, let's read James chapter one, verses 19 through 25. Now this, my beloved brothers, let know e- this. Oh, thank you. Let me start over. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, okay, he will be blessed in his doing. 
So just like uh, this, ver- this scripture is talking about us being doers of God's word rather than just hearers results in blessing. Um, I think it'd be safe to say that being doers of love rather than just sayers of love mm-hmm. is, is it has a similar response. Uh, so a similar result. Yeah. Yeah. Being blessed. Uh, let me rephrase it. Be doers of love and not sayers only deceiving yourself, which right. that's powerful. Be a doer who acts and you will be blessed in your doing. Mm-hmm. Babe, don't I, don't you know, I love you? Like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah but... but why are you treating me this way? Yeah. Why, why are you? Discrepancy. Yeah. Remember we talked about that? Yeah. The, the, the doing it, the, the acting it out, the doer who acts, the one who has the, 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 the fruit of their life that matches the tree, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's good fruit. Another uh, biblical illustration of this idea of the one who does is the one who loves, right? That's actually kind of a good phrase. <laughs> um, in Luke chapter 10, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're always trying to trap him. And one says, um, teacher, how do I gain eternal life? And Jesus asks him, he says, what does the law say? The Pharisee replies, well, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And he was right, because that's what the law did say. Um, but then the Pharisee, you know, of course, trying to justify himself says, well, who's my neighbor? Like the sense of like, yeah, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, but how, how am I supposed to define who is it that guy? Is it this guy? He's trying to get himself off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, off of off the hook of um, having to love his neighbor. Mm-hmm. And Jesus gives a parable of the Good Samaritan. We all have heard this story. And you have the 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 this this Jewish man is is beaten and, and stolen from by these thieves. And then you have these these this priest and this Levite, and you have all these people that should have been his neighbor should have loved him, should have served him, should have taken care of him, but they don't. They might have been the same people that would claim that they even do those sorts of things. Oh, I take care of the needy. I help those in need. They're the ones that are the teachers of the law. They're teaching what the Bible says about this, what the Old Testament says about this, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus points out in the, in the teaching that a Samaritan comes by and has compassion and goes and takes care of and mends and pays for and and treats this this injured person. And then Jesus asks, of course, who's the neighbor? And it's the one, of course, that showed by his actions his love. He loved his neighbor as himself. He went and he said, if I was in this ditch, I'd want someone to walk by and help me out. I'd want someone to show me love and compassion and take care of me so I don't die alone. And so Jesus, again, shows us this picture of the one who loves is the one who does. Mm-hmm. He acted. He did. He showed love by his actions. It's good. In Marriage After God, in our book, Marriage After God, uh, we talk about that. Who is your neighbor? And we talk about your closest neighbor is your spouse. <laughs> yeah. Not that we don't have other neighbors, but if you're going to talk about proximity, like, yeah, your your wife, your husband, they're the, you're the first idea of a neighbor in your life. And if we can't show them mm-hmm. love by our actions, it's going to be so hard or impossible to show any sort of level of love, true love, to anyone outside of our that relationship. Mm-hmm. Another point to note is that um, our calling and ability to act in love is not and should not be determined by our spouse's actions. It's not a contingent, yeah. transactional relationship. It's not about fairness or I'll do it when they X Y Z. Yeah. Well, and this is this is a hard thing 
for marriages because we can hear all like, yeah, doing love, like showing by actions. But we, we one thing we brought up in the beginning was um, doing it without the other person, mm -hmm. that they're not required for you to be able to walk in love. Mm -hmm. Meaning you could sin against me, treat me bad, and I still have a responsibility and an obligation and a calling to love you because you are my wife, not because you haven't, you did this or that. Right. You haven't earned it, deserve right. it, did it first or not. It's just well, because we're, because we're being obedient to what we are called to do. Yeah. Well, and this is something, uh, this is what struck me a long time ago was recognizing that that form of love is transactional. Yeah. My love is contingent on you performing, mm -hmm. you respecting, you treating me the way I deserve or think I should deserve. And so we have this transaction relationship where it goes back and forth. I'll give you what you need when you give me what I need. The problem with that, though, one problem with there's probably more is that if nobody's doing anything, you're you're literally void and depleted of being taken care of and nourished and yeah like loving one another requires the digging into the soil and and tending to it so that everything can grow if you're not yeah. doing those things if you're not pulling the weeds if you're not watering if you're not tending to it nothing's going to grow you're not going to get any crop yeah <laughs> that's Seriously. true um i was also thinking instead of instead of measuring in weights of fairness and this is right. something I've struggled with my whole life. I know this. I'm guilty. Okay. <clears throat> but I was thinking, like, I will love you this way when you love me this way. Okay. Yeah. I thought about it as seeing um, a balancing scale. Yeah. So you on one side, me on the other, and our actions. And it's got to be even for love. And to it's got to be even for we to say we love each other. Um, our, our, our spouse's actions shouldn't be equated at all. And what I mean by that is what if the balance was on one side, how Christ loved us mm -hmm. and the other side is, us. so like if I'm looking Which at the balance, be <laughs> if I'm looking at the balance, you're not even on it. It's just Christ on one side, me on the other. And I'll never be able to balance that Yeah, because what he did was so great for me. And so all I have is my whole life for eternity to love mm -hmm. others. Like because he loved of me what he did. because of what he did. Yeah. Well, and I was actually, I was reading that I saw that word fairness and I saw the word weights often also when you're trying to, I hope everyone listening is listening. <laughs> um, if you're in this mindset of, well, well, they haven't earned it. Like what, why they don't deserve my respect right now or my love right now. Often our weights are different than each other's. Like what I perceive as equal or fair is not necessarily going to be what you perceive as equal and fair. So I could come to you and think that I'm performing, think that I'm doing, think that I'm giving what you need. And in your mind, I miss the mark completely. Mm -hmm. And so it's a game that never has a winner. <laughs> I think too, I, I think in the midst of marriage and relationship tension, people aren't going around thinking, I'm not going to love you because you don't deserve it. Mm. It, Maybe so, sometimes. But I don't know. I, I think feel like a, it's a, a lot more intense of a, yeah. um, you, you need to be justified first. You need to be validated first. You need to be um, heard or seen or, yeah. you know, there's all these feelings and emotions and sometimes you can't even put into words why you're withholding. You know, maybe it's pride. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe it's jealousy. I don't know what the thing is, but sometimes we don't even know how to label how we feel. And so we're not going, we're not sitting there going, oh, you haven't earned my love yet. And so I'm not going to give it to you. It's just a natural response of our flesh kind of taking over and we let it. Yeah. Well, I, I think to make it more like on pen and paper, uh, it's like there's a ledger for each other and we're constantly putting little check marks next to like, Oh, hurt my feelings. Didn't follow through with this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, there's the, the the sheets are not balanced. There Mm -hmm. is no financial reconciliation, which is that, well, that's what where reconciliation means. It means to balance out. Yeah. It means to, to make clean. And so it's hard for us to reconcile because we're constantly feeling like there's a balance owed. Okay. If there's a couple listening right now and they're in that place where things don't feel reconciled, what, what do you tell them? The fastest way to reconcile something, there's a, there's an actual, I didn't put this verse down, but I was just reading it. There's a parable that Jesus gives about the kingdom of heaven. And there's a, a wicked servant that is supposed to be keep, keeping charge of his, this, this master's money. And he's, he was squandering it. And so he's being called to, to account, but to save himself because he knew he was going to be fired. He's like, man, I want to, I want to make myself right with all of these other people. He goes to all these accounts and he's like, Hey, you owe, you a hundred of this. We'll make it 80. Oh, you owe 50, make it 30. And he's, he's blessing all of these people that owe by just wiping out portions of their debt hmm. to make himself right with all of them. So that when he's fired, one of them might invite him into their home. And he won't be left out alone and all these people are mad at him and his master's mad at him and everyone's mad at him. The fastest way to reconcile a balance sheet is to wipe out what someone, what, what you're holding against someone. So forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's literally like not holding the balance. Mm. It's letting go of it. Like the, 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 the king that let, you know, lets off the servant that owes a, you know, hundred talents or whatever. He just, he writes it off. That's the fastest way to reconcile a, a sheet is like, oh, you no longer owe this. The okay. slowest way to do it is make the person pay it back every penny. Okay, for the for the one who struggles with forgiveness and is listening right now and hearing you say this and they're like, "Okay, I I want to do that. How? Ugh. How do I just let it go?" Um it's not just to let it go. It's a running to God and asking him to help you <laughs> reconcile this to let go of that debt, whatever it is you're holding over your spouse, whatever it is that they've done. Whatever, mm-hmm. And that, and this doesn't mean that once you do that, there'll be immediate perfect reconciliation with the other person, mm-hmm. but man, it will, it'll, like I said, it'll clear that balance sheet mm-hmm. and it allow for love to come from at least one side of the relationship. When you start walking in that group, that mercy and grace that God gives you. Well, I think too, when we run to God, like you said, we're confronted with what he did for us and then we get to walk in humility and be reminded that we've yeah. been forgiven much. Yeah. We, we're already. the ones that have been forgiven much. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul in Acts, um, he gives us a really good example of love and action. Acts chapter 20, verses 34 and 35. He's talking to the Ephesian church, the, the Ephesian elders, actually. And he says, you yourselves know that these hands, Paul's hands, ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Paul shows an example of these Ephesian elders on how his own hands worked not only to take care of his own needs, but also to the needs of those with him. He worked hard in this way so that he would not be a burden on anyone he was ministering to. So he wanted to love freely and to present the gospel free of charge and free of burden so that the people that he was preaching to, teaching, revealing the gospel to, were not given extra burden. He was taking away, and in other places it mentions that he could have actually requested and demanded support from the people he was ministering to. He had a right to it. And he said, but I didn't. I forgo that, I for, I forwent that right for your benefit. It's powerful. So think about that in your relationship. Yeah. I'm going to for, forego my right of, of justification, feeling, being right or um, addressed exactly perfectly the way I deserve or want to. And I'm going to do love you for the sake of my love for God and for your sake. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to serve you in this way. So he showed love to these people without expecting anything in return. And I love that because in marriage, I mean, our expectations get in the way a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But being able to love without expectation of receiving anything in return is really powerful and it's freeing and it's beautiful. He also had hope that they would in turn devote themselves to believing in and following Jesus. And yeah. I think that we should in marriage have that same way of love where we don't expect anything in return, yet we have this hope that whatever we do would lead our spouse closer mm -hmm. to Jesus. So we're loving in hope. Mm -hmm. We're serving in hope. We're, mm -hmm. we're doing these things, but what's awesome is we're doing them for God, mm -hmm. not for, not even necessarily for our spouse, but it is for them. Like Paul was doing this for God and for them. Uh, so we were talking earlier about this idea of weights and scales. Yeah. And then there's this verse in Luke 6, 37, 38. Jesus says this, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's like a good feel. That's like a feel good, but a warning too. It's like, a, be careful. Well, it's a. I think it's a warning first with a blessing if you heed the warning. Yeah. That if you recognize that if you're going to measure your your love, you're going to measure out your your response to your spouse by. Uh, did they compliment you? Did they remember that date? Did they treat you this way? Did they say the thing you were wanting them to say? And you have this measure. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how it's going to be measured back to us by the same measure we use. It's going to be measured back to us, which is why we end up just never getting what we, what we would desire because we're always, we're, we have a scale for them, but not for us. We have an expectation of them, but not for us. And then when it happens to us, we're like, how dare they? You know, how, what, they, I'm never going to get what I want. So why should I give them what they want? No one gets anything. No blessing. No, <laughs> no love. So we, we need to recognize that it's a, it's a judgment of ourselves when we, when we hold judgment over our spouse. It's a con condemnation of ourselves when we hold con condemnation over them. It's, it's a lack of forgiveness for ourselves when we, when we withhold forgiveness. 
And I think that should be a serious warning to us, but there's good on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to encourage you guys and remind you to be the ones that show love in action and treat your spouse just like you want to be treated. Going back to that golden rule, I think we mentioned yeah, a few episodes, a few ago. episodes ago. Um, speaking of the word episode, I, <laughs> when I thought about notes for this episode, I titled it give and take, you know, thinking I've heard yeah. that terminology before. It's probably more wordly. I spent a wordly. good while think, like trying to work with this concept. Give and take in marriage. <laughs> and I just couldn't get myself to follow through with it. Well, I, I know when I told you about it or when you saw it, mm-hmm. you're like, no, that's yeah. not going to work. Um, and you said to me, we don't take in marriage. <laughs> Christ, Christ never came to take. He served and he gave everything in love and he's our example. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. So I wanted to make note of it. Um, and that's why we, we retitled it. Give more than you take. <laughs> um, yeah. So just want to make a note take, about that. Taking, I mean, we're not Jesus. So taking's going to happen. Like I, I need things from you. I need, respect and love and affection and and vice versa but, but that's more like a receiving right i mean receiving is well, different than taking it's receiving it's if it's given yeah. right so the goal is we is to give is to have an has to have a a heart of giving to our spouse mm-hmm. giving of love giving of time giving of attention respect forgiveness all the things that we would want given yeah. to us so just to wrap it up We want to encourage you guys that we can revive the meaning of the word love and what it means in marriage by being doers of love. We dilute the powerful meaning when we only say, I love you, but there's no proof in action. Mm -hmm. And so our encouragement to you today is to be doers of love. Romans 12, 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. It's like a, it's like a competition. I could love you. (laughs) I can love you more. I'm going to outdo you. (laughs) Which leads us right into our growth spurt for the month, which is different. Um, it's changing since we're in February now. Um, the growth spurt for anyone new following along is just this little bit at the end where we want to encourage and challenge you guys to um, do something that will increase um, individual growth in your in your life, in your spiritual life, um, and then also in your marriage. So mm-hmm. um, we're hoping so it's that... It's like a challenge for the month. Yeah. And so it'll stay the same all month. And so you have some time to work through it. Um, but we hope that it does encourage you. Uh, last month was all about committing to what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And um, we both worked on writing down something that we were working on. Aaron, how did you do? I would give myself a 37%. <laughs> oh, man, that's not good. <laughs> that's okay. Here's but the I, thing. Here's the thing. It was you, more than it was. You can you can keep working on it. And I am. Yep. Yeah. Just keep going and just add this next growth spurt. See see what I'm doing here. Yep. Just, I'm at just <laughs> add on. Just add it. On. <laughs> okay. So this month's growth spurt is love in action. Do a romantic gesture for your spouse. Okay. We're not going to leave you hanging there. Here's some examples. You can make him coffee in the morning. Or her. Or her. These are for both. Like, it's not just... Okay, you can set a flower next to his bedside. There you go. Or hers. <laughs> <laughs> a flower with a letter would be sweet. Yeah, a letter. Uh, you can massage their neck or feet. I know you love getting your feet massaged. I like so. physical touch, yeah. Uh, make a favorite meal for dinner uh, and even light candles. Make Ooh, it like a special little thing. Sounds nice. Um, you can offer to tackle an area of the house that your spouse usually does. Maybe do it and send them off to go have some... Me time. Yeah. Yep. 
mean time's a big deal, especially when you have a lot of kids. Totally. Or any kids, actually. <laughs> um, something that was really cute that you've done for me in the past, this was when you were like away for a weekend, but you could still do it just when you're at home, but send mm. a letter in the mail, like with actual postage, because we don't have that kind of tactile, here's a letter anymore. Yeah, pen yeah. palette. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's lots of romantic gestures you can do for your spouse. And like Aaron said, this is the month of love and it's really special. So be intentional. Awesome. Why don't you pray for us? Dear Lord, thank you for the way Christ has loved us. Thank you for being our example of true love. Please transform the way we think about love and marriage. Help us to be doers of love and not just people who say, I love you. We pray our actions prove and affirm our love for one another. Lord, help us to walk humbly, selflessly, hopeful, and faithful in marriage. Help us to give more than we receive from our spouse. We pray we'd be full of your love and aim to love like you love. We pray our marriage honors you and glorifies you in Jesus' name. Amen. people who have been blessed by this free podcast and our free daily marriage prayer emails and who want to help be a blessing to others. Creating and hosting this podcast and sending out our daily emails do incur financial cost. And we want to invite you to join our faithful patron team to help financially support these resources so that they can remain free for all who need them. Please join our patron team today and become one of the faithful financial supporters who desires to help bless thousands of marriages around the world. Your support will help us pay for the creation, hosting, and promotion of our podcast and daily emails. Thank you, and we hope to see you become a Marriage After God patron.